Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When a person builds their foundation on Jesus Christ, like I've come to Jesus, not for what he might do for me in the future, not so that he'll bless me and prosper me financially. I've come to Jesus because he died on the cross for my sins, which I needed. I'm a sinner, but I've been saved. Now I'm going to heaven and not hell because of what Jesus has done. When I come to Jesus for that, when does that run out? That doesn't run out on a bad day. That doesn't go anywhere when I'm paid, if I'm balling, if I got stuff. If I'm broke and I'm going through a difficult time, that's the foundation that will stand. I'm saved. At any and all points in history, there have been people who try to capitalize on others' weaknesses or insecurities. They make empty promises in order to lead them astray. Pastor Bill reminds us today how important it is to have a solid foundation in Christ, to come to Him because you know you need His saving grace, and not because you want to get rich. It's vital for a lasting relationship. Christ requires your attention and love and time, and if you build a strong foundation in Him, He's never going to turn away. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We did the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and if I could recap it for you guys, Paul was coming to the Corinthians and saying, you guys, I, I, you guys haven't made as much progress as I had hoped, that I should be able to speak to you guys as mature uh, believers, but I have to speak to you guys as babes. You guys should be eating meat, but you guys are still needing milk. And so we talked last week about as they had not made progress, we were looking at how do we make sure that we do progress in our walk with the Lord? How do we make sure that we get where God is trying to take us, where we're not carnal, we're not held back? One of the areas of carnality in the Corinthian church was they were elevating man too highly. And so people were looking at the persons that led them to Christ and almost worshiping them. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this person. I'm of that person. And Paul is saying, man, that's that's carnality that, that we don't want to be that. And we talked about that last week, how that, you know, even in, in the Christian world, people could be banging their denominations or their particular church home. Or, you know, you ask some people about their walk with the Lord. and It's like I go to first such and such, you know, pastor such. It's like just can we just Jesus, Jesus, can we just talk about Jesus? You know, um, and I, we talked about that, how we, we don't want to become like that. Right. The biggest deal every time we gather is Jesus. May it always be that way. And we're going to see that today, that that he is the foundation that we're building upon. He's it. Everything builds up and grows out from the person of Jesus Christ, not a personality, not me as a pastor. I'm part of you guys. Right. We're going to see in the study today. We're all part of the body. We got different roles and different functions, but I'm a part of you guys. I'm not to be elevated. I'm not to be worshipped. I am to with you guys point to Jesus that we might all worship him together. But that was the carnality that was that was showing forth that there was carnality in that church, that they were they were elevating men instead of looking to the Lord. And so we want to we're learning. I told you guys, we don't want to put down the Corinthian church. We want to learn from them and see how sometimes we do the same stuff. Uh, We might be guilty of some of these same things, but we're going to grow as we look at the things that they did wrong. And we say, wow, that's not what the Lord wants. God doesn't want me celebrating a human being at that level. He wants it to be about him. And so we should be weary about human beings that look to be elevated like that. And when we come together, our goal should be to glorify Jesus. And I, if you get a group of people together for the goal with the goal of glorifying Jesus, I guarantee you 
Those gatherings, God will be in the midst of them. It will please him. Those will be gatherings that please him, bless his heart, that he will show up in. Gatherings that are centered around him, his person, his work. Amen. And so last two verses, eight and nine, I'll pick up there. Verse eight, Paul said, now he who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. And we left off there. And this is what Paul was getting to. He said, look, rather than celebrating Paul or Apollos, he said, look, we're all we're all fellow workers. Right. Paul says me, Apollos, you know, Cephas, Peter, he mentions later, we're all working together for the same goal. We're not we're not wanting you to be on my team or his team. We're all on the same team. We're on team Jesus. And so we're all working together. He says each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And something's introduced last week that we're going to talk more about today. The fact that there are eternal rewards for believers that faithfully serve the Lord. God wants it to be that way. Some people feel like, well, you shouldn't serve God for rewards. I disagree because Jesus encouraged us. He says, look, don't store up treasure on heaven where moth and dust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. He says, store for yourself treasures in heaven. He encouraged us to, to be working and living for and looking forward to eternity. So we're supposed to be spending this life storing up for eternity. So the, the, the challenge becomes for us that live in a, a very worldly society that's very materialistic that we don't get caught up in the the temporary carnality and materialism of the world in which we live and forget that we're going to heaven for eternity and God's just store up some treasure up there and so there's so many ways to store treasure your, your service to God is one way faithful service evangelizing sharing your faith you know Jesus said every time you're persecuted for my name's sake Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Some Christians try so hard not to be persecuted, try to fit in with every group and get along with everybody and never say something that's going to ruffle feathers where, I mean, that's dumb because God said, hey, I'm not saying to go be abrasive, but when they persecute you for my sake, man, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That's a reward. Great is your reward. That's a big reward. So I don't want to avoid the situations where I stand up for God. And somebody persecute me, God says, you know, may feel bad right now, but you won't be sorry in heaven, right? You won't get to heaven and be like, man, I should have had, I should have been nice. I should have, I should have been more agreeable with everybody. So we're to be living for eternity. Verse nine, he said, for we are God's fellow workers. Paul speaking about him, Apollos. We're, we're God's fellow workers. We're working together. He says, you are God's field. You are God's building. So speaking of the church, the church is God's field. So you think about a field, it has to be tilled, has to be sown, and has to be watered, as he said last week, but God gives the increase. He says, you guys are God's field. Our work, we're, our work is to build you up, to cause you to become fruitful. And I was meditating that on that, just thinking of the church of Jesus Christ. God says, you guys are my field. Well, if you're harvesting crops, if that's the kind of work that you do, what do you want to see in your field? You want to see it fruitful. My, it took my daughter, we, we drove out to Ventura this week. And on the way out there where we were going, we passed this area where there was all kind of strawberry fields and all kind of produce. I mean, just acres and acres and acres on both sides of the freeway. And we came to one area where we looked at it and the whole thing looked dead. Everything else we looked at was green. You know, you got people out there. It was watered. It was tinted and all this stuff. But we went through one area where the whole, it looked like the whole farm was dead. And I'm like, whoever farmed some, somebody got fired over there. Somebody messed up. That's the, it was the one that we looked at that you looked at. And said, I, I wouldn't want my produce coming from them fellas right there. You know, it was all messed up. 
But as I looked at everything else, it was fruitful. There was an area where it was all the strawberries. So it was all green with the little red dots everywhere. And it was popping strawberries. They had fresh strawberries. They were selling them out there at, the, at, a, at a little booth. And God says, you are my field. And so when you think about the church, what, what does God want in this field? He wants it to flourish. He wants it to be blooming. That's us. That means that we're receiving nutrients, that we're being built up, that we're we're spiritually healthy, that we're there's vitality in us, that we're reproducing. That's what God wants. You're his field. Then he says that you're my building. And we'll talk about that one more today, that we're we're we're, we're the house of God. We're the, he's going to say we're the temple of God. We are where God lives. He lives in me and he lives in you. And so when you think about that, a field is not in competition with itself. It's growing together. Neither is the temple of God, which which we are. And so. Now we pick up today at verse 10, and I broke this last section into three areas, the work of God, the workers of God, and the people of God. So we'll look at his work, we'll look at the people that are doing the work and being rewarded, and we're going to look at God's people, his possession. That's what we're going to close with, and I think that's the main point as God gets all the way down, that he wants us to know how important it is to him that we recognize that we belong to him. God is offended at the fact that they were saying, I'm a Paul. Jesus is like, no, you're of me. Right? You're not of any man. You're of Jesus Christ. That's who we're of. But we'll come to that. So look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So Paul says, look, I have as a part of the building of God, as a, I'm, I'm one of the workers. You guys are the building. I've laid the foundation, right? Paul shared the gospel to the Corinthian church. He said, I laid the foundation for you guys. Anybody knows anything about building? Everything is contingent upon a solid foundation. If you got a shaky foundation, you got a jacked up building. It's not no matter how beautiful it is that the foundation ain't right. It's coming down the first time we get a jitter, a shake or something. So Paul says, look, I laid the proper foundation. He's going to tell us what that is. Verse 11 It's a verse you want to highlight in your Bible for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation can anyone lay except for the foundation that I already laid for you guys, which is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation which we're building upon the person, the work of Jesus Christ. Now, within the church, there are movements where people are building on many different things. The foundation of some churches is entertainment. What you'll find if that's your foundation, if the foundation is entertainment and that's how you drew people, you drew them to entertainment, then you'll have to continue to entertain them to keep them. And you have to do bigger and bigger and bigger things to keep them. But if you draw people to Jesus, he'll always be enough. He's always been enough. He'll always be worthy of worship. There won't be something else I need. Jesus. And so we got to be careful that we don't build on some faulty foundation. The whole prosperity gospel, it builds on a foundation that says, come to God to get. Don't come to God for what he's done. Come to God to get some more stuff right now. Problem with that is when it doesn't work and it doesn't work. So when you come to God and give to get and you give to receive, but you don't get, you've given and given and given and given all your money and ain't nobody rich but the pastor and you broke and catching a bus and everything else. At some point you looking up saying, God, let me down. And it's a faulty foundation. Right. It's a faulty foundation. And, and when it falls, when it fails, when it falls short of what you had hoped, it won't stand. But check this out. 
when a person builds their foundation on Jesus Christ, like I've come to Jesus, not for what he might do for me in the future, not so that he'll bless me and prosper me financially. I've come to Jesus because he died on the cross for my sins, which I needed. I'm a sinner, but I've been saved. Now I'm going to heaven and not hell because of what Jesus has done. When I come to Jesus for that, when does that run out? That doesn't run out on a bad day. That doesn't go anywhere when I'm paid, if I'm balling, if I got stuff, if I'm broke and I'm going through a difficult time. That's the foundation that will stand. I'm saved. So on the worst day of my life, I'm going to heaven when I die. On the greatest days of my life, still Jesus is better than this. All this stuff's going to pass away, right? At every phase of life, that foundation will stabilize me. It'll keep me in a place that is pleasing to the Lord. So we got to be careful that we don't create any other foundation that we don't build our relationship with God on anything else except Jesus Christ. And that's why we do communion on a regular basis. I think that's one of the reasons Jesus said, I want you guys to do this on a regular basis. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again because he knows we'll forget. He knows our nature. He knows it'll become about something else so quickly if we don't remember it. So he said, I want you to, I want to memorialize. I want to, I want to have a way for the church to come together regularly as a group and individually and remember what I did so you don't forget what it's all about. Because I died for you guys. Because I love you guys. And so we want to remember that. Amen. So we want to be cautious that there's no other foundation, right? Any other foundation is not, it's not the work of God anymore. It's not the work that God did that that we're looking to, that we're glorifying. So verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, now we're looking at the work that the work is the work that Jesus did. That's the work. The workers is us. And God says, now we got to be careful how we do the work here. We're reminded that as believers, we're going to stand a judgment, but not the same judgment of non-believers. Non-believers will stand at the great white throne judgment of God at the great white throne judgment. That is a judgment for non-believers. Christians won't be there. Everyone that goes to the great white throne judgment, their, their names are not found written in the book of life. The deeds that they've done, all their sins, because they haven't been washed away in the blood of Christ, they're there in books to be read against them. They're indicted for their sins. And everybody from the great white throne goes to hell. Everybody thrown to the lake of fire with Satan and the false prophet and, and all that. For the believers, we stand at the it's called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Our judgment's different. The judgment that we're going to stand is a judgment where our works are judged rather they were done right motive, right heart in a right way, in a way that God can reward or a way that God would not reward. Our our works are going to be judged rather they're rewardable. So for the believer, I'm never going to, my sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus. They're non-existent before God, but my works will be judged. And there will be some things that we've done that God will say, that's wood, hay, and straw. As it's tested by the fire, it just burns up and is no more. And so what kind of work is that? What are the kind of works that burn up? Anybody here ever done the right thing for the wrong reason? Raise your hand. All right. Most of us have. Right. The right thing for the wrong reason. It's that kind of work that God would say, no, you, you, you did the right thing. Let me give you an example. Jesus said, if you do your good deeds like the Pharisees to be seen by men, he says they have their reward. Right. So let's say you do a really good thing. Let's say you you give money to the poor. Let's say you I mean, you, let's say you dug deep to give money to the poor. And then you told everybody, 
I gave this much money to the poor. It really hurt us. I mean, we struggled that week, but, you know, God be the glory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when you give like that, God said that whatever those people felt about you when you said it, if they said, wow, why you are so awesome. Oh, man, you are godly. God said, that's it. Enjoy that. Let, I mean, soak it in because that's it. That kind of work, when it's weighed by the fire, it just burns up, right? That's not rewardable. He said, when you do your good deeds, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so you can do good things in a way that God says, I, don't, I can't reward that, though. That's not the way I wanted it done. Now, I had a friend of mine recently that did some nice things, but he posted it all on Facebook. And I was like, but I hit him on the low. I'm like, I mean, it's cool and all that, bro. But, you know, I, I just... Just, just as a friend, right? I just texted him. I mean, how do you weigh that with this verse? Like, what do you think? Like, I, I, all the comments, people are like, "Yay, you're so awesome!" Next time, let me know. I'll go with you. But, but that's it. Everybody knows. You just, I don't know. Be careful. Uh, we do our good works in a way that honors God. And I'm not saying there may there's things you do that are in public, but the Pharisees did things to be seen. And God said, "I, I don't. I'm not rewarding that." Right. But there are things that you do that God would say that's done out of sincerity, out of purity, out of love for me, out of a sincere place, a concern for others, a love for people. God said, I'll reward that. And so he's the one that will test these things again for the believer. All that's being judged is the works. Right. And so he says um, now in verse 13, it says each one's work will become clear for the day. That day is capital D. That is the day. There's coming a day of we must see judgment, a day of judgment for the Christian where our works are judged, not us, but our works. And it says the day will declare it because it will reveal it will be revealed by fire. I'm sorry. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive reward. And so those things that stand the fire, that they're tested by fire. They stand Right. That's the gold and precious metal. God said those things that stand, there's a reward for those things. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, loss of reward. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. And uh, again, I read that and I just thought, wow. I mean, <laughs> some people, by God's grace, they, I mean, they said that they'll be saved just as through fire. That means like it's like we would say by the skin of your teeth, you know, just by the. Just by the edge. I mean, who wants to be saved like that? Just barely. And I'm sure the people that get to heaven and it just barely, I'm sure they're glad to be there. I'm sure it's, it's great, you know. And I consider this. I do funerals. There are times where you get called upon to do a funeral and a person's life has been so clearly dedicated to Christ that you could just share their life at the funeral and then give the gospel. Like their life is a testament to the work of God. You can share what God did in them, with them, through them over the course of their life. There'll be fruit from their life at the funeral. I've done funerals like this where, the, I mean, as the people came up and shared, it was like, I don't even need to preach. The gospel's been preached to the people that they led to the Lord and impacted over years and everything else. But I've also done funerals where it's, it's just so questionable. You know, where you're almost, I, I hope they were really saved. I, I mean, I want to believe that they were. It's, it's not really enough evidence to, like, just you're hoping the best. I, God, they're in God's hands. And I got to tell you, I mean, if for me, it's, it's, it's a tough funerals to do. Now, there are funerals where you know they weren't saved, clearly. I mean, they, they never professed Christ, died in their sin. I mean, unless some miraculous moment happened before they died, they probably, they, they're not, they, didn't, they didn't die in the Lord. But there are times, and these are more frequent than not, where 
it's, I don't know. I mean, they had made a profession one time and you hear people, well, yeah, well, I took him to church. He went to church with me when he was, you know, 18 and he made it, he went forward. But the last 10 years, there's no evidence to say he belonged to the Lord. That's not where you want to be. Uh, we want to have lived so clearly for the Lord. And not so that people, when we die, forget about that, right? So that you'll be in heaven. Uh, there's a book by a, a man named Erwin Lutzer. It's called one minute after you die. I read this book years ago and it, it, it impacted me in terms of just the need to evangelize and share the gospel. But it's, it's called One Minute After You Die. When it, it talked about this, how that some people, you know, at, they die. They, they're gone. They're, they're either in hell or heaven. He talked about how that some people are they're experiencing their first moments in hell, their first couple weeks in hell. And there will be a service and people are at their service saying what a great person they were and drumming up every good memory they could have of them, but they're experiencing their first moments in hell. That's the reality, right? They're in hell. No matter what you say, no matter how people paint the picture, they're in hell. And then there's other people that he's saying, I mean, the same picture, they're in heaven. Just a minute after you die, you're somewhere. And, and wherever you are, you're going to be there for all eternity. And it's determined in this life by what you did with Jesus Christ. And some people can take it very lightly. Some people can be made aware and have been to church, exposed to the gospel, but never bowed the knee, never surrendered to life. One minute after you die, you either elated that you came to Christ or you are grieved beyond measure that you didn't. And the interesting thing is it can never be changed. Now, that's great for the believer, for the Christian to get to heaven and realize I can never mess up. I can never get kicked out. I can never blow it. That's awesome. I, I can't wait to get there and never have to worry about messing up again. I, I mean, I'm no more sin nature. I'll be like him. I'll, be, I'll finally be holy, really holy. You know, I'm never going to get kicked out. You know, and we, we, we won't mess up. We won't have a bad day. And you know what, Bill? <laughs> You're going to have to go down, son. You know, we, we're in there. Right. So for the believer, it's just a really think of the relief and the rest that we enter into that. We made it. We in heaven with the Lord. Glory. That's why everybody in heaven is singing. Everybody in heaven is so glad that they made it and the glorifying Jesus for getting them there. But hell, think about how horrible it'll be to be in hell and know that there's nothing I can do to re reverse this. You can't get out. That was I mean, when I got saved, that was part of what just because I'm a, I'm a I guess at that time in my life, I thought I was pretty charming and, and convincing. But I realized you can't charm hell. You can't convince your way out of hell. You can't tell a good story and get out of hell. You just there. You can't threaten hell. You can't shoot it. You can't beat it up. You just burn. I was like, man, I, I can't be in hell. <laughs> I got to do something else. So for the believer, once again, we're in a really sweet place of, of there's a confidence that we can have that we know him and are known by him and that heaven is our home and our works are going to be judged. But we want to be living in certainty, right? If you're here now and you say, I'm, I don't live in a certainty that I'm going to heaven, then today could be the day. The day should be for you a day where you repent. Are there things that you got that are causing you to feel like, I don't know for sure because I'm involved in this. I doubt or I'm not certain because I'm, I'm, I continue to behave like this. Today could be the day for you where you say, you know what, I'm going to repent today. He would forgive you today. The blood of Christ would cleanse you today. God would receive you today. And the Holy Spirit would indwell you today. And God would begin to work on you from the inside out today. But God is a gentleman. He doesn't kick down the door of your heart. He knocks you know, we invite people to come to Christ. God doesn't make you receive him. We're, we're invited and we can say, no, I, I, not today. No, I still want this over here. Right. No, I'm still enjoying that. No, I'm not willing to put that down for you. That's the decision that you get to make. No one gets to make it for you. No one can want you say bad enough to bring you to a place where you say, 
I surrender, right? Everyone surrenders on their own accord. And so I do encourage all of us today, if there is any question in your mind that you would surrender today, no one would leave here today wondering where you're going to go when you die, that we would all know for certain that we're going to heaven. And I pray we don't die no time soon. I pray everybody here live long and get old and everything else. But tomorrow's not promised anybody. So it'd be nice to leave here knowing. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.